Welcome back, perfect peeps, to Perfect.dev. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about Social Bee. And I have Social Bee's co-founders, Ovi and Vlad. Ovi is the what is referred to as the chief technical bee, and Vlad is the chief... Uh, sorry, I got those backwards. Let's try that again. Ovi is the chief executive bee, where Vlad is the chief technical bee. And so you'll, you'll hear a lot on these... Uh, little analogies throughout. And that's why I love about Social Bee. They keep it fun and light. And uh, as we talk through it, I think you'll you'll catch on to all the little B phrases that, that we can go through. So welcome, guys. How are you? Thanks for, uh, for, for having us. Uh, and I just want to say that we would have not got uh, this far with the product if I would have been the uh, chief technical B. So <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that Vlad feels uh, that role. No, very yeah. cool. Happy to be here for sure. Yeah, thanks for for joining. So um, for those on the the video side of this, I'm just going to pop up really quickly kind of what Social Bee's site looks like and maybe you've uh, stumbled upon it in in the past. So here is the Social Bee site. Um, And it has more leads, less effort. And what what it's kind of showing here is social media management tools. And I I would say like this is, it kind of catches you at first because you're like, oh, what what am I getting into here? And it feels like very like uh, amazing and wonderful. And I'm telling you right now, since we've started using it, it absolutely is. Um, so it's taken so many hours uh, away from uh, allowed back into my time, I should say, for Coding Cat. Um, we basically set up our, our posts out there and the RSS feed gets picked up and it gets placed back into all the different channels. So it's an absolutely amazing, amazing product. And because our, our podcast kind of dives into all things developer related, um, from both running a startup to the technical aspects, um, it was awesome to, to get with you both just to start to talk through kind of what runs social media as a whole. So I'm really excited to pick your brain a little bit on, on how you guys are running this. Um, I read a little tidbit and maybe Ovi, I'll, I'll throw this one over to you. Um, I, I let, I read something on kind of why this started. I'm eager to hear like, did this just pop up out of kind of a need for this in your clients? Yeah. So actually together with Vlad and actually two other uh, friends of ours, we started another startup before Social B. Uh, which uh, was an app uh, for um, uh, quotes from business and personal development books called Nugget. And uh, it was fun to work on on that project, but um, we realized at one point that that project was more of a vitamin versus a painkiller. So uh, (laughs) we we did manage to use all sorts of social media techniques to grow it and to get people to use it, but it was hard to get people to to get them back and keep using the uh, the app once they downloaded it and used it for a, for a few times. But in that process, we managed that we stumbled upon some techniques, some social media techniques to grow uh, our audience, which worked. Um, and uh, in, in that process, we also started to build some internal tools to help us automate that part. And at one point, we... Uh, we got a few people asking us how we're doing this and how we're growing the social part of things. And uh, we told them about uh, what we were doing in the background. And when we saw that there was uh, some interest, we decided to try to sell uh, sell what then later became Social B, became Social B. And then uh, from a startup where we had to keep investing uh, and then bringing uh, our own savings into, into Nugget, uh, in Social B, we started to see that people are actually willing to pay for for that. Um, and then uh, once we realized that, we stopped working on Nugget altogether, uh, and we focused on Social B ever since, which was uh, a little over four and a half years ago. Oh, that's amazing! So, so the original product um, did it have kind of the same vision, or has it changed and just kind of morphed into its own its own uh, technology and and SaaS platform? Well, I would say that a lot of the um, same structure is in there and a lot of even sometimes functionality is in there. But what has changed is um, we kept making it easier to use, uh, even better looking as an app um, and kept adding more and more functionality 
in order to save you even more time and to make even more efficient while while using it. Um, and we definitely rewrote the technical uh, platform uh, even a few times, I would say by now. Um, but um, but at a core, at the core, the the main features that we we started with, we still have them and we still uh, are relying on them. Very cool. Um, I'd I'd love to talk so. Uh, just from a high level for people that haven't used the product before, can you just talk through some of the integrations and and how difficult it's been to like become an Instagram partner? And we can probably talk about that then because that's something that's kind of coming up soon, hopefully. Um, just talk through like how you started to break down every social platform and be able to to link into that. And if it's if it we get too technical, maybe Vlad, you can step into that too. Yeah, for sure. So, um, actually, the Instagram integration is now live uh, since yesterday. So we haven't uh, yet promoted it on our newsletter, uh, but we did put up a change log, and people have started to using the, the direct Instagram posting. Awesome. Um, again, again, Vlad and the technical team they were quite fast in implementing this, um, so we were able to to get this live quite soon after we got access to the Instagram API. But indeed, basically, um, as a, the core functionality that we have is about sharing your content across different uh, or all of your major social networks. And one thing which makes us different from other platforms out there is that uh, you can actually create content categories for your uh, content and then add them into these like content buckets and schedule with content buckets in mind. And this way, you will have a better mix of content across your social profiles. And it will also take you less time because you just need to make sure that these buckets are, are filled with content. And even more so, we can even recycle your best evergreen content. So, for example, uh, your blog posts uh, or your podcasts, actually, in, in your case, are, are relevant today as they will be a few months uh, or even years from now. So you can just keep recycling them uh, in these content uh, categories. Yeah, very cool. So I guess uh, for, for people on the video side of this, I'm just going to share and, and we can kind of talk through when you when you first get into Social Bee, essentially what we're talking about is connecting out all of your different social um, media accounts and, and platforms that you need to link out to. And when once you do that, um, what Ovi's kind of talking about is this, I always call it bucket. I like the, the categories. I should really pay attention to the uh, titles. So these different categories that are out here, for instance, we have our, our blog and one way to get items into your blog is to manually do it. Um, I, I believe by clicking add post, I, I very rarely use that functionality, but oops, the, the most powerful function for us is that all of our content for our blogs come out as an RSS uh, feed. So. Um, social B is able to just directly sync up to our feed and, and pull those in. Um, do you find people are often adding posts directly within social B or they're, they're using this RSS feed setup? I would say it's a combination of both. Uh, so the RSS functionality is one which somehow we had from the beginning, but it was definitely much, much uh, more uh, clunky. But um, we do have people who just have their own posts that they really want to tailor and they have custom images and whatnot. But then a lot of them are also using the RSS functionality because it's quite versatile. So uh, you can connect your own RSS feeds, but you can also connect RSS feeds of other websites that you might want to share content from. And uh, you can even uh, create those posts which are automatically created when a new uh, item shows up in the feed to mention the owner of that website, for example, or to put some specific hashtags next to it. Uh, or if you want, you can add the post as not approved. So that way you can just go in from time to time and just approve the post that you like, maybe change the commentary a bit so it's more uh, custom to you and then share it that way. Um, so th those are two quite different ways of, of adding content, uh, but both of them are very powerful in their own ways. Either cool. way, if you just uh, would like a, a bit of um, numbers to say so, I would say at least at the end of the year when we did the last uh, pack of stats for, for the last year, it was somewhere around 60% of the content being brought in through, through RSS. So that's a big, uh, it's a big portion of the content. But for then sure. again, as Ovi said, I think that many, many people 
also like to edit their content. So basically how many people do it is just bring in content to RSS and then just go in and edit it and make it as they feel. Yeah, I love I love being able to like um, you know put it into a draft state or an unpublished state and then you know tweak it as we need to. Especially when I start using other external sites, so we we tend and I, I haven't done this for a little while. We used to pull in like all of the Angular updates and React updates and things like that, so that our users know what's happening and they don't have to go to all these other other sources for information um, to stay up to date with like the web and what's happening. Um, yeah, so I, I like those stats, Flood. Can we dive a little more on the technology side since I have you front and center again? Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, what, what cloud infrastructure are you guys running off of now? Yeah, so since the beginning, we've been on AWS. So that's uh, mainly what we've been using. Uh, we do use some other providers for small stuff, but in, in, in general, it's AWS. So Whatever we have, we use as, as a service from them. So it's the main main platform. Basically, starting from uh, from the database, which we have uh, either a NoSQL version or, or a relational database. Uh, both of them are, are in uh, AWS. Then we have uh, application containers, for example, that we're using with EC2, a cloud formation for the whole uh, for the whole scaling part. Uh, what else? We have Lambda functions. For we have a ton of stuff. So it depends quite a lot. Even all the yeah. content uh, is uh, is stored in in uh, in an S3. So in simple storage service from AWS. So uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was gonna ask you about the uh, storage side of that. So it seems like um, when when we load up our own individual images, it seems like that is stored within Social Beast platform. But often, like that RSS feed, typically that's uh, uh, it's a image that's located somewhere else on a server, and it's usually in the meta information where that comes through. So, do you do you also store those images so you can reuse them later, or is it only the ones that you upload to Social Beast? Uh, no, we actually always uh, store the images for many reasons. I think one of the most important ones is that you might want to reuse them at some point, so then then uh, it is easier to manage them like that. Uh, yeah, it's basically a way to whatever you give to Social Beat will store it in in your specific bucket in uh, in uh, S3, and then it will be served uh, back to a CDN so that it comes. Uh, as fast as possible back to you. That's also another thing. And of course, um, the social networks will want to pick up uh, your media as soon as possible. So that's another thing. So when you're pushing an image, uh, it's important to do it as fast as possible within the process because of the whole scheduling engine and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, very cool. Um, I guess if if uh, you don't mind me asking, are, are you using just CloudFormation out of the box or are you using some sort of tool for infrastructure as code um, to set all of this up? Yeah, basically we, we use Elastic Beanstalk, uh, which is a product given by AWS. So it helps you set up the containers and everything. And then it also helps managing the load balancers and whatever you need to, to set up the scale. So it's it's a managed service on top of the cloud formation. Cool. Um, I think I I noticed you, you're running a like a preact WordPress front end for the the media site, and then the actual application appears to be uh, the original Angular JS, not <laughs> Angular two. Correct? Uh, yes. Um, for for the blog, actually, it's. Um, it's a plugin that we're using to to build the the website itself. So we use Elementor for that. So okay. basically, this is where it comes up from, and also a caching plugin that uh, seems really strong on uh, serving all the content from the server. So uh, probably this is why it looks like React. I'm not sure to be honest. I, I would have to recheck. But yeah, for for the app, it's AngularJS because mostly when we started up, it was 2016, and back then Angular 2 was in beta. Yep. And um, me, um, at least from my point of view, uh, because of the fact that I've been a backend developer for most of the years, I think that um, I almost never go for beta versions, especially when yeah. you're doing uh, a production release. So, yeah, um, 
Angular JS was the one that we chose. And afterwards, of course, uh, you've probably seen it in a ton of products. Um, just moving, bumping up versions is never easy, especially with Angular JS. It, it would yeah. have been a bit of a pain. But then again, probably towards the end of the year or next year, we will uh, upgrade. Probably. Yeah, that, that'll be interesting to, to see you go through that. So um, I don't know if you've checked it out or not, but uh, I'm, I'm part of the AWS Community Builders and um, Amazon has a product called Amplify. So if you're ever interested in kind of chatting through how that works and setting up a lot of that infrastructure, just let me know. Um, I'd love to have you back on and we can talk some more about it. Very cool. Definitely, especially when we start uh, looking into how to go next, definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Um, the the other piece. So you talked a lot about um, some EC2s and and kind of some lambdas floating around. Um, have you embraced somewhat of that that serverless technology as Social B goes? And um, actually, let me let me show something before you answer that question. It might it might resonate for people a little better. So we have. I have this site up here. Another important aspect to Socialbee is this schedule setup. Um, so it's not just like creating your schedules like we have here, um, which so, that's you know fairly easy. You could probably store that in Dynamo and have that kind of scheduled out for everyone. But the hard part in my mind, or the, the interesting part in my mind is, oops, sorry about that, is... Um, how how do you actually run like the cron jobs or what's what's like triggering those scheduling moments for you guys? Yeah, um, that was probably one of the core problems that we had to solve throughout the time. Of course, we we started out uh, with the framework technologies. Uh, for example, in the backend, we're using a Java-based uh, framework which is called Spring. It's probably the most popular one out there. So um, you, when you use uh, this kind of frameworks, you, you also get to make um, quite limited choices that are, you know, they're production uh, proof, so you can take them and push them out somewhere. And because of that, we chose, for example, a scheduling engine, which is called Parts. It's also quite popular from many yep. points of view. So um, yeah, one of my first initial questions is how would, well, how would it be able to deal with a big load and how much would you be able to scale? But at all points, I knew that they, uh, on top of Quartz, there is another technology that you can use at some point when, when the going gets tough to say so. So basically, we started using Quartz and we've been using it ever since. And we didn't have to get to the higher tier yet, but um, um, we're closing in to say so. So yeah. um, probably we'll have to, to get there at some point. So basically, the scheduling engine, what it does is um, it stores whatever data it needs to trigger. Uh, the jobs, uh, it stores it in a relational database and uh, basically it deals itself with triggering whatever needs to be triggered. So probably one of the main challenges is um, how far would you go in dividing those jobs and what is the best balance between having more, many jobs or less jobs or stuff like that. So um, probably that was one of the most uh, fine-tuning uh, aspects that we needed to look into. And of course, on top of that, uh, when you have a scheduling engine that's running like crazy, then you need to be able to stabilize it somehow. So basically, you don't have, you don't want to have long-running jobs uh, because, of course, it would uh, get your servers into big trouble. So basically, because of this, we're we're actually using the scheduling engine just to trigger stuff, and then we're using uh, queues to process whatever. Needs to oh, okay. So those it, uh, those are like SQS queues that you're using after that, or? Uh, no, just simple executor uh, queues for now. Oh, of gotcha. whenever, whenever we get to the point, yeah, it can it can very easily be moved to the, to the next part. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll be interesting as you continue your journey and as you guys continue to grow to see uh, if you end up more towards like the serverless methodology within the AWS and and start to pull some of those like Java engine. -y things directly back into lambdas and things um, in AWS itself. So that'll be exciting. We'll have, to, we'll have to keep up on that journey. Yeah, for sure. And we've, we've already looked for, for options. And indeed, uh, this is one of the, the best way to process data, for sure. It, it only depends, or, or it mainly depends on the business case which you, which you have, for example. 
and then of course you get to make probably better choices uh, yeah. once you know what you want to do but yeah it's um we've already faced a lot of challenges yeah. with it and it's probably one of the most important parts because um as you can imagine another thing that for example is quite specific uh, to social media platforms uh, people will usually choose to post at um uh, fixed hours for example like dot zero zero on the zero on the minute on, on the 30 or stuff like that so then you would get your peaks uh, around those times so you would need to be able to process a lot within a very short period amount of time and uh, yeah of course you can afford delays one two three or five minutes but after five minutes then another post might come up so uh, it's not uh, it's not a very good uh, idea to postpone them a lot so yeah it, we've, we've had uh, we have Share of challenges. Yeah, I could see that. Like, definitely, when you want to be the first to all the the platforms uh, coming out there, you don't want any other other people coming in and bottlenecking that service and getting out through it first. Uh, you want to be the first to announce that Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. You know, that's <laughs> very yeah. cool. Um, oh, I'm, I probably have to block that out. I think that's some sort of crazy copyright. I always forget. Um, <laughs> So uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, creating a schedule, creating content, how you, how you fill that content in. And then the last piece in my mind is um, the API side to this. So you guys are dealing with uh, Twitter's API, Facebook's API, LinkedIn's API. And now it sounds like Instagram's brand new uh, API that was released. So um, can you talk through challenges on keeping up with all of those API requirements and, and how you actually make those calls? Yeah, for sure. Um, and just a small note before I start into this, uh, while it sounds like it's, it might be a lot or not that much, either way for some people it's, <laughs> it might be not that much. I just looked because, um, I was, uh, looking into this earlier, we, we probably have somewhere around already 20 integrations uh, because uh, while we do have the major networks then on top of it of course we have um, the integration with Buffer or Hootsuite or whatnot and uh, aside from this we have a lot of shortening providers for example so you can uh, create short shortenings directly from social D. so in the end we're close to 20 already so uh, of course one of the cha challenges when you integrate with a lot of APIs is that um, yeah you need a lot of firepower to keep up with everything so that's that's definitely one of the challenges just to actually be able to make the changes blah blah and so on but then next week of course the product also needs to develop in time so you need to have new features and you need to have new stuff so um, it's APIs are one of the things that you have them they're working and um, you would like to have them working for as much as possible so that you can focus on, on something else but yeah which with the major social networks, I'd say um, they change a lot. Yeah, of course, uh, they iterate a lot, but um, they also take care of being backwards compatible in many ways. So they like to delay things as much as possible. Uh, however, depending on whatever ha else happens in the world, for example, the case of Facebook or whatnot, um, certain restrictions do appear within the network, right? So. Um, for most of them, they try to deal with them themselves, but for other, they would uh, push this on the third party uh, provider to so whoever integrates. Uh, like, for example, with Twitter and Evergreen content, that was one of the big, uh, the big issues that we needed to respond quite fast in order to maintain access. So, uh, not being able to post the same content again, uh, we needed to provide an alternative for that and a working alternative that would be suitable for, for marketing practices or stuff like that. Then yeah, um, there are some some moments when uh, when you need to actually change quite a lot because because of that. So that can be a challenge indeed. But other than that, I would say um, the big networks are are easy from many points of view. So uh, they're quite predictable. You never go uh, go on I don't know not understanding something or something would be a challenge from this point of view. Rather getting access to the networks than. That's a, that's a totally different topic. So for us, for example, it took you can see four four and a half years to get access to to Instagram. So that's that's probably the longest up until now. And then um, I think LinkedIn, obviously, was it uh, with uh, company access and whatever we else we need. It was probably two and a half years. And actually, the longest one that we still have is Pinterest, where 
we can post on Pinterest through some integrations, but not directly because they haven't opened up that API access. And I think actually what happened is that when we first started out, it wasn't that hard to get access to all of these APIs, but then the whole Cambridge Analytica fiasco happened. And then since then, everybody gated up and had much more um, direct review processes, uh, which Vlad, correct me if I'm wrong, but when we were first starting out, we didn't have to go through such uh, complex review processes for the APIs as we do now, right? Uh, yeah, and it's one of the biggest changes uh, within within the social networks were the fact that they actually started reviewing the business behind the integration. So I think that's one of the biggest uh, the biggest things. So basically, even with Facebook, for example, um, it was the first time we had to sign anything, for example, with an integration third party or whatever. So um, it it felt quite a lot, and then the review itself. Uh, yeah, we, they visited the website, they had questions, they, they've done a lot of stuff, especially if you use a lot of features like we do, for example, because you can also post on groups and you can do a lot of stuff that um, we have analytics, for example, that we uh, show in the app. So then, of course, you need to show what to do with your data. Each network has a different set of rules, for example, in terms of service. For some of them, you are not allowed to put the same analytics from different networks, for example, on the same page or stuff like oh, that. So wow. you need to take into account uh, certain things, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I think I've read some of that. I, I didn't even think through like how that would impact you guys. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, for now, at least, as you can see it in the app, uh, all the analytics are individual per profile. So in this case, you don't have them on a side-by-side -side basis or something like that. Yeah. Yep, I wouldn't even have thought about that. That's, that's interesting. I probably would have put a feature request and I want to see this all in one. And you're like, no, you, you can't because of them. That, that makes more sense. Um, how, how many, like, roughly... With all of your users, and maybe you don't have this number, I, I sure you do. You guys have tons of analytics. Out of all of that, like how many API calls do you make in a given month? Let's say, is it in the millions? I would imagine. So you mean to the social networks? Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, if if you just refer to uh, the action, the action of posting, so doing the post, then it's in the millions. Yeah, but if you refer to the whole thing, like including analytics and getting profiles and doing synchronizations and stuff like that, then it's definitely in the tens of millions. Wow, that's wow. incredible. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I imagine that comes with a little bit of a cost, so that's that's always fun to offset. Yeah, I think I, for us at least it was a very, especially because social big grew very organically throughout mm -hmm. time, so within four and a half years. Um, at first, we didn't care, to be honest. So because you can do whatever you want, it's going to be 100 bucks or whatever, 500 or at the end of the month, that's fine. But then throughout uh, time, you get to actually look into, okay, do I want to reserve an instance? Do I want to do something like that? So then uh, we can cut some costs and uh, yeah. But in the end, I think um, I think we're quite satisfied with the costs. Uh, Operational-wise, it's uh, for now, at least it's far below the the industry standards for for uh, operational costs for sure yeah I, I mean it's it's well worth it like i said you guys save so many hours out of my day trying to bounce between uh different networks to get things out there um it's it's totally worth what i pay so um uh, kind of on that note i'd like to get always kind of impression of this when when we talk about like schedules and things like that, my biggest hesitation at first, and I, I think I'm starting to get my head around this, but um, I'm not, I don't have a marketing background. I'm, I'm starting to because of trying to grow Coding Cat, um, similar to how you guys grew uh, socially just organically and, and pushing out there and not buying a ton of advertising or anything like that. Um, I started to like only put like a blog out one time because I'm like, uh, like I feel gross, like keep throwing this at people. But can you talk through like the social, uh, like the, the mind behind uh, social media and like that kind of reposting or that evergreen cycle a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I think maybe this is one of the biggest preconceptions that a lot of our users have when it comes to recycling their evergreen content. And it comes from a few uh, aspects. I think the main one is that you know everything that you're sharing on your social uh, profiles and you know all of the content. 
and then you assume that everybody will will know that uh, as well, and that they will care that uh, you might uh, that they might see the same post twice. Yeah. But actually, in reality, a few things happen. One, if you have enough content, even if you recycle it, uh, by the time that that post will hit again your social networks, it it will pass. Uh, some some weeks or even months might pass. Um, and then also when you're only dealing about organic social, as as probably you know, uh, the the rates of which uh, in in which the posts are seen by your followers keep dropping. So um, not not everybody will see all of the posts that you're posting anyway. Um, and then there's one more thing. Um, once you create some content which you know uh, is good and you're proud of, and once you have a, a service or a product that you want to promote that you know is good and and would actually benefit your uh, customers, then basically you're just doing them. Uh, uh, you're not doing them a sa- service, but a di- disservice by not promoting that and by not uh, sharing that piece of content or that podcast or that product that you that you have. Because at the end of the day, you know that will bring. Uh, a positive result in their life. So then you should make sure that you do that. But now we also realize that um, social media keeps evolving and, and keeps changing and people don't want to to share the, the just one piece of content over and over and share it with the same exact post. So this, this is why some time ago, maybe one year or maybe a, a bit more uh, ago, uh, well, we actually uh, started to create also uh, post v- variations. So what this means is that, for example, for one uh, podcast interview, which is going to just sit on one link, you can create different messages. So then each time when we recycle or when we post that content, the next message will go in line. And then if you want, once we get to the last one, we can still jump to the first one to, to keep recycling that, that content. Um, but this is a way to get both to both uh, sh- get more out of the content that you're producing be that a blog post or a podcast episode, or maybe just even sharing your homepage uh, or, or a features page or whatever, uh, but still keeping it fresh with uh, the, this addition of the variations and all uh, in the same time for you to not have to spend a lot of time to create that post over and over again. Because one of the main things how we can actually help is by helping you to batch the content creation aspect. So for sure, there's the RSS feed where it just works. You set it up once and it's uh, and it, it just works automatically. But if you want to have your own content that you create, maybe with, even with some images and so on, then it's so much easier once you just publish the blog post to come up with five ways to to write uh, some social posts about that blog post. Maybe you take the title in one. Maybe you have a pull-out quote in another one. Maybe you create like an image for, for a, another one. And then maybe if it's a YouTube video as well, you can embed that and so on. And if you do it all in one go, that then it will save you a lot of time. And again, your users, first of all, don't see everything that you're posting because of how organic uh, rates have been dropping. Second, they won't remember. Trust me, like I'm sure that even if I show you some of your own posts for from three months ago, you will say, who wrote this? I have no, no memory of that. Or, <laughs> yeah, or that, might, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or that might be just me because I'm uh, notoriously bad with memory. Um, and then again, as you, sh- as you are sharing something valuable, you shouldn't worry, even if somebody who has a perfect memory remembers that you sh- shared the exact post one month ago or three months ago or whatever. Yeah, that's really amazing and powerful. That is not something I- I'm glad we're talking about it because it's not something that I've looked into um, doing. And to, to me, someone who has such a small amount of content that I have, um, it, it would be very beneficial, probably even for me to remove the RSS feed portion and actually set that up with all of those different variants and just call out, like if we have a really long tutorial or something, say, have you ever seen this code snippet? And like, just put that out in many different flavors that go through the tutorial. So really got my, uh, my mind spinning on that one. So that's really cool. Um, I think uh, RSS is also very good there just to to have your basics covered. So even if you don't have that time to create those posts, the RSS is going to be there to take care of the, the important part, which is sharing the new content. But then you can even use the RSS as not approved as a trigger for you to create these variations on, on that same post. So um, I think it really it depends on your own workflow and whoever decides to use it, they, they have their own way of doing things. What we've been trying to do is to, first of all, give you a lot of tools uh, to be able to to be quite versatile. And what we've been also working on 
a lot lately is to make those tools as simple as possible uh, so then it doesn't overwhelm you. Yeah, and just to, to add up on that, um, one of the biggest things that we've also done um, last year, I think, is uh, provide an integration with Zapier, for example, especially for these cases when people are more tech-oriented, for example, and they want to actually build something that would uh, would have nothing to do with a ge- an actual RSS that, for example, becomes, uh, becomes um, limited in many ways if you just use it from a WordPress blog or whatever. So um, then again, with Zapier, a whole world comes up, right? So you can, you can either use spreadsheets, for example, and just then have them be pushed to, to social, you can use Slack or whatever. So you, you can use whatever integration you want. And even if you want to use RSS, for example, Zapier has a way of building an RSS, right? So you can, you can actually build your own RSS uh, feed as you would like it to be. So then you can do uh, also what Toby was talking about. Depends quite a lot on how do you want to integrate things. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's actually a really good point. And one of my questions that I, I initially had, and I totally forgot about, um, as, a, as a developer myself, I, I would love to get out of the Zapier world. Is there an API into Socialbee that I could start to utilize so that when I do this major rewrite that we're going through right now for Next.js, as as we create a post, I'd rather just have my own microservice Lambda in the back and say, hey, Socialbee, here's a new thing. And I could, you know, I could put all those variations in there already um, with the content that we're writing. And I could put multiple images and like all of that stuff at once without having to go through a, a whole third party for it. Is that something you have or will, will, be, will I have in the future? Um, yes, for sure. So for sure, I can say that we'll have a public API. I think that having a public API opens up so many doors within the ecosystem. So you'll build something around yourself. So that's already a major plus that you could have as a, as a SaaS. Um, the main, so we already do have an API and that's being used, for example, by Zapier or some of our partners and stuff like that. But it's, it's a limited API to say so. Basically, you can get uh, the workspaces, the categories, for example. And then you can add a post within uh, yeah, a category from a specific workspace, right? So you can select for which social profiles it will be added, uh, setting up uh, expired times, for example, adding an image or, or stuff like that. However, the reason why we didn't make it uh, public or the main reason why we didn't make it public until now is um, the fact that, first of all, you need to rate limited somehow so you need to protect the whole system that's one of the things so um we would also need to have um yeah a way to to make sure that uh, everything uh, will stay as it should uh, within content the content parts for example of the app or, or um yeah that so the, the part of where not necessarily you would you wouldn't like to police for example the api but you would need to make sure that for example you review some of them and you do some stuff and we wouldn't have had up until now the actual availability to do so so that's one of the parts and the other one is of course uh, when when you publish an api too soon at least from my point of view so it's not for everybody um and it's not mature enough and you have to change it every now and then like every couple of weeks then uh, people will definitely not like it so um, everybody invests a lot of time in development so they wouldn't want to do that but i think that now for example especially with the latest uh with the latest uh, change where we moved um for example the evergreen versus share one switch uh, from category level, we've put into item level. That's probably one of the biggest changes that we've uh, had uh, recently. Then definitely we're already at the place where we can uh, start opening up uh, the APIs. Yeah, that would be really amazing. Put put me on that beta list. How are we get there? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Awesome. Um, so I think I think we covered all the questions that I had laid out. Um, are you are you guys wanting to say anything else about this amazing platform that you've created that I'm totally just missing? I think I uh, one thing when we talked about uh, and this is not my part so uh, but uh, when we talked about the integrations and how it how hard it is to maintain them, um, I think one major one which well we have to put a lot of effort sometimes just to stay on the same in the same sp- in the same uh, place is the mobile apps because we also have mobile apps for uh, iOS and Android it's more for the reminders part for uh, some of the networks 
but then that's also a, a hassle to 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 keep maintaining. And also, what I wanted to to say when we when we were talking about the uh, the quartz and the scheduling system is that um, I couldn't tell you exactly what happened, but I know that Vlad like rebuilt that engine while we were flying the plane at one point, <laughs> um, and basically uh, had to to redo uh, that part. And one thing which um, which um, I'm, I'm quite happy with, with uh, how the tech part uh, is going with Social B is that we had very little downtimes except for the scheduled ones throughout this, this four and a half years. So I don't know exactly what Magic uh, Vlad and, and the team is doing there, but uh, but it, it's working. You know, you you said the team right at the very end there. Uh, something I, I meant to ask you. I'm, I'm familiar, and we'll get into my pick, the, the concierge side and your your team. But um, how large is your development team? Um, how many people does it take to keep this thing up and going? Well, I think on average, on average throughout time, uh, it was usually around two FTAs, so two full two full time uh, wow. full time people. Um, now uh, we're closing in on three, I think. So what happens is that, first of all, you have to maintain the whole system, and then on top of it, you have to uh, keep uh, keep adding new things. So um, the more we grew, the more as the more uh, features we had in social media. Like, for example, analytics has its own life now, for example. It's a whole uh, uh, project. The API itself, again, then we have the mobile app, then we have the, 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 the main app, so the website that... Um, that you can use, so um, this requires a lot of um, a, a lot of focus. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's probably a speed that we want to use, considering what we want to bring as features and stuff like that. And also, yeah, of course, uh, development usually is um, quite a costly affair. So, yeah. yeah. Um, do you do you ever see? And and I don't know if for both of you, um, kind of bringing in some venture capital and trying to grow even faster or is this no you you like the pace that you're at and you just want to continue to get this organic growth and keep moving i think at least for me this is always a back and forth between these two extremes uh, on one side i always want to do more and 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 faster uh, but then on the other side um the organic growth has been good for us uh, we managed to uh, to not have any major issues. We managed to keep improving the platform and the marketing and everything that we've been doing. Um, but then again, for these next five years, we also have some very big plans, uh, which uh, you will also hear about in the upcoming months. So the whole getting an investor on board question keeps popping up uh, from time to time. And uh, what I can say is that uh, even if we would bring on an investor, it would have to be somebody that we really um, uh, in sync with and uh, uh, we we can see it uh, as a very good relationship for the next few years um, and, and to keep helping each other. Yeah, that's really neat. It's it's a great story that you guys have. As I'm building out Coding Cat, I, I keep going through the same mind, like how do I go faster and then how do I not lose it too? <laughs> like, I, I don't know how much money I want to invite in type of thing. So it's it's kind of a fun process to think through. If, if you haven't checked out, um, uh, Guy Raz says how I built this. They talk about it all the time on that podcast. It's, it's a really good listen to them. Cool. Well, those are all the main questions. Uh, at the very end of every podcast, we like to do what we call perfect picks. And I believe, Ovi, you have the first one. So let me bring that up. I think this is probably Vlad. Even though I just finished uh, the, the last season and I love it as well. There you yeah. go. There you go. That's your pick. My bad. Yes. So, uh, indeed, my pick is is the show Billions, and it's the only one that, even though you cannot find it on uh, on Netflix, I I I try to find it in in other ways because I, I really love it. Um, and um, I know also a bit about the background of how it was created and so on. And I know that it's based on a lot of uh, maybe even not sometimes DCs or or investors, but it's like a, a mix of multiple characteristics of, of that. And I think it opens a view into a world which is foreign for maybe most of us, like the whole uh, billionaire world. Um, but uh, it's quite uh, an entertaining show. But for me, it's also inspiring. So that's why I think it's one of the few shows which I finished watching and then I started watching it again. 
Um, and I definitely recommend it to whoever is into into the business part of things as well. But it's also quite an entertaining show. So uh, even for that part, I, I like it a lot. Yeah, it's a really amazing show. I love almost everything Sorkin does. So it's it's really cool to watch uh, Bobby Axelrod go through all his crazy times. And there's some fun uh, dramatic pieces to that too. Yes. Cool. Vlad, I, I think I have yours up for the crown. Yeah. For me, for example, it was a tie. So what I actually do, and I have some background time for for whatever. It's Apparently, it's not on Netflix anymore since the 1st of, of January for, for us oh. here in Romania. But Friends, for example, it's my perfect one that I would look. So that I, it was a tie for me between putting that one and just uh, putting the crown. The crown, I, I simply just love it. Uh, it's... Uh, high quality drama from my point of view so if you want to look at that definitely it will pick up all your time then because it also has a lot of seasons and uh, you have a lot of uh, uh, time to 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 look at it but yeah i i find it that um, initially I, I would have expected to be so boring but in the end it's jam packed with uh, whatever you need so yeah this this was my wife's absolute obsession so i, I can feel it for you uh, i caught bits and pieces of it but i'm usually down in the uh the, the lab if you will coding or working on something for coding cat so um that that's kind of funny you mentioned france and romania i should probably know this where is uh social be actually headquartered out of yeah so oh we go ahead if you want to see yeah uh, basically um we are headquartered in uh, inclusion apoca which is like the heart of transylvania um, wow. Okay. So uh, it's also quite uh, late for us, uh, but I'm actually I'm, myself. I'm in uh, Frankfurt. Vlad is in Cluj, and most of most of the team is in Cluj. But now, obviously, because of Corona, everybody is working remote from home. Yep. So we also gave up our, our office because I have no idea when it's going to be safe again to for all all of us to be back into an office. Uh, so everybody is now working uh, remotely from home. That's incredible. I love Frankfurt, by the way. I haven't been over there in a few years, but absolutely beautiful. Yes. I have not made it into Transylvania. That's exciting. That's um, also worth exploring. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to get over there. Um, we did. We did a river cruise kind of through uh, the Danube over in Europe the last time. So maybe we'll keep sneaking further east. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, so I have a couple picks, and they're very much uh, social be uh, oriented. So. The first one is the Social Bee Concierge Service, which is why there's some confusion in my mind, like we're your headquarter, because when I was working with some of your concierge service, um, I believe she was in, uh, I thought it was West Coast uh, on the U.S. somewhere. So It was you, on the East Coast, probably, East Coast. yes. Okay. Um, so you have... You have a concierge service, which um, helps helps you both author different things and um, as, as well as kind of your whole media strategy and setup into social media. I'm not doing this justice, so maybe, maybe I'll give it to Ovi to like actually uh, sell this a little more because I think it's an absolutely amazing service for someone getting started. Yeah, so um, I, I think just you using this without us knowing each, each other before, that that's also does uh, the, the selling per se. Uh, but indeed, besides the tool, uh, which uh, uh, Alex, you showed a bit of the tool uh, throughout this interview as well, uh, we also have these concierge services. And this actually came as a... Um, historically we, we we stumbled upon these concierge services let's say so but we realized that people not only need the tools but also sometimes need help with creating the the content that should go into the the different content buckets or creating content for their blog uh, or helping them grow an audience and so on and what we realized is that marketing you can think about marketing like you would uh, building a house um, you need an architect, but then you also need a lot of building blocks to, to create that house. And with these concierge services, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to create um, and to sell some of these building blocks that you can then use in your marketing activities. And we we have basically they're like um, um, processes, process-driven services. So we have a lot of processes in the background. We have a lot of trainings in the background. We have a lot of uh, technology, even in social media, that you cannot see as a user, but we have it in, in the, our background to be able to, to help manage 
uh, hundreds and hundreds of customers with these concierge services. Uh, and that's how we can also get the prices uh, relatively low. Um, and basically, for example, if you want to create posts for social media, but you don't know what type of posts or don't have time to do it, we have a service for that. Uh, if you want uh, blog posts for your blog, we also have a service for that. Um, uh, and then we, we keep helping more and more services, but it's always this very productized services, very specific. Um, and then um, uh, because of that, we can also offer them at a relatively low low cost. Yeah, very cool. Um, so my other pick, and sorry you had to talk for one of my picks so much, uh, but my other my other pick is the the talk you're about to do. So not only are we talking about social view right now, but you're going on um, to talk during a software as a service um, summit, essentially all about social be all over again and um, kind of with that whole like, community that has SaaS products with it. So I'm really excited. I, I signed up. I, I threw it to everyone I, I knew because I think social be is an amazing product and I really appreciate you guys coming on and talking about it. Yeah, thanks, thanks for sharing that. And uh, actually, the talk is going to be very, very, very briefly about Social B, but it's going to be more about uh, what other SaaS providers are doing on their social. And uh, let me say I'm really honored to be part of that summit because the lineup uh, is really amazing, like really top, top people in the SaaS space. Uh, and I'm also looking forward to, to attending uh, some of the talks uh, during that summit. So I definitely uh, urge anybody who is in the SaaS space to to join um, because there's going to be a lot of knowledge going around. Yeah, there there looks like just from kind of some of the speakers in here, just an amazing group that you'll be with. And I think it's very much deservedly so that you're in there. So congrats. Thank you. Um, awesome. So again, thank you both so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I want to have you on again so I can continue to follow your journey and that others can continue to follow. And as they find out more about social media and can, can kind of start their own brands and start their startup businesses, they can have this approach and have a little bit of a kickstart, I, I hope, as they, as they get moving. So thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, good evening for you guys, right? <laughs> Probably yes. quite late. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. I guess.